so this morning, um, I want us to look at the story of Noah. Who's ever heard of Noah? The story of Noah. It's like one of the things that you learn in kids' church or Sunday school or whatever it is that, that uh, you grew up in church, you would have heard this story. But I'm speaking today on, uh, on the story of Noah. And um, hopefully you're familiar with the story. If, if you're not, um, you might be able to pick up where we're going as we go. Um, you know, if you've seen the, mo- the latest movie, Noah, forget all that. It's not really what it's about. It's not like that at all. So, um, but what, what it is, when I think of this story, it's, it's like the, the flood and the earth was destroyed. Um, it's like God pushed the reset button on creation. And you know when, when you get in that point where something doesn't work? I remember once when Jimmy was... was here as an intern in the church, we, we got these, I got this uh, snow machine. And I thought, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to fill the stage with this snow on Sunday mornings and all this something. And I was dreaming. It was before we got new carpet. And I was thinking, oh, if it wrecks the carpet, it doesn't matter, we'll pull it all out. And I was just so excited. And the thing that didn't work. And and I was thinking, there's got to be something wrong with this thing. And, and I'm looking for a reset button to sort of say, well, if I did something wrong setting it up, I'll press the reset button. That fixes everything. And in a way, it's like God pushed the reset button on all of creation um, in this story of Noah. But before we go judging God on this, because we can think, well, what kind of a God would do such a thing? Why would God do that? We're going to look at that really carefully this morning and... Um, and the, the title of my message is When Everything Was Ready. So I want you to realize this. God's reset button on creation. Had God not pressed, uh, pr- sorry, preserved Noah and everything in the ark when he did, evil would have destroyed everything and nothing and nobody would have been left. That's, when we consider that, God's plan in preserving Noah and the animals in the ark If that didn't happen, everything would have been lost anyway. The whole world would have been destroyed. So I want you to, if you have your Bibles with you, you can look at these scriptures. Mark chapter 13, verse 20, and also Matthew 24, verse 22, says almost exactly the same thing. But in Mark, it says this. If the Lord had not cut short those days. Now, we're talking about the future. So what the thing about the Word of God is it tells us about the past, what the world has come from, And it tells us about today, where we're living, and also gives us hope and a plan for what God's going to do in the future. This this message in in Mark that I'm about to read you is a future prophecy for our world. It says, If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would have survived. Sorry, no one would survive. um, But for the sake of the elect or the believers whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. He has shortened those days. And... What that, what that describes to me is the patterns that God uh, uses, what he used then, he'll use again. And I, I think from when I read that scripture, what the end of the world is going to be like is what the world was like in Noah's day. And God said, unless I preserve some, none of would have been left. So um, it also says in Matthew 24, verse 37, it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, or when Jesus returns for his church, it will be like it was in Noah's day. So um, we're going to look at the days of Noah, if we can take a brief look at that. 
So the Lord saw, Genesis 6 verse 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of, of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Not a real great message to be basing something on this morning. But I want us to hone in on that word wickedness. So we're going to just take that word for a sec. Wicked or wickedness. The word of the moment. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're not wicked. So now you're awake. But wicked, if we just camp on this for a sec, the wicked connection, that word connects to witchcraft or those sorts of things, a form of devil worship that draws demons into mortal life. So we're not just talking about people who are nasty to each other and, 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 and told dirty jokes. We're talking about a form of devil worship that brought... Um, I think I've got... might have a slide there for you. Oh, that's okay. It, it brings demonic influence into mortal life. That's what we're talking about. And the whole world was, was drawn into this level of, of Satan worship that they became so, um, so caught up with that that all of life was, was directed and motivated by um, what the demons were doing in people's lives. So that word wicked, it, it means evil, sinful, immoral, wrong or bad, iniquitous, which is morally wrong, that's a good word for you. Corrupt, uh, black-hearted, ungodly, unholy, irreligious, unrighteous, sacrilegious, profane, blasphemous. Here's a word. I'm sorry, I, I don't want to say it the way I've been thinking of it all week. Impious. I kept reading it thinking it's impious. It's not impious, it's impious. But that means there's uh, no respect of God. Uh, this word wickedness means base, mean, vile. All, these, all those words I've just described are descriptions of what this word wickedness means. But you need to keep it at the, the forefront of your, your thinking. It's a form of witchcraft or devil worship that draws demons into mortal life, that brings them into our world and says, well, we're going to be motivated and, and, and um, manipulated by evil spirits in every part of our life. And, and that's where um, Noah found himself. Into that world was Noah... And his family. So Noah's world is described in these verses. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Noah was blameless and walked with God in the midst of all this stuff. Genesis 6, verses 11 to 12, it says, The earth was corrupt and filled with violence. That's a result of this worship that the people were giving. Genesis 6, verse 14 to 17, God said to Noah, Build a large boat. I'm about to cover the earth with a flood. Genesis 6, verse 19, Bring a pair of every kind of animal in so that they can be preserved. Genesis 6 verse 21 and take on board enough food for your family and the animals. So hopefully I've given you a, a, um, enough of a background of the situation Noah found himself in. Now what, what I want us to really um, focus on this morning is a really positive message for us if we receive it this morning, and I know God is going to propel people here today into some incredible future and purpose that God has for your life. I don't say that lightly, but you've got to take hold of some of these things, let it soak into your spirit and start living it. And I know God is going to use people for great things from among this church here today. 
So it says in Genesis 7 verse 1, just the very first part of it, it says, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. So that, that, that brings me to my title this morning, which is when everything was ready. So when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat. Now I want you to see this this morning. Noah did the readying. Does that make sense? Maybe not great English, but it works for me. Noah did the readying. And when the flood came, he was saved. Think about that. Well, think about this. If Noah hadn't built the boat, would he be right to be mad with God? So you consider it. Noah didn't. Get, God said to Noah, the world's wicked, everything's gone crazy, everyone's worshipping Satan and, and they're devil worshipping and all this stuff and demonic activity everywhere all over the earth. But I want to preserve you because you walk with me. That means that Noah was a prayer. Noah was a man who, who worshipped the living God. Noah was set apart to, to know who God was and, and, and believed in the Lord and served him. When God says to him, well, build, build an ark, get, all, get everything prepared, would, would Noah have been right to be mad with God if he hadn't obeyed God's voice? So I'm talking to believers here this morning, people who believe in God. Because we have a concept of life sometimes, and here's your smack, it's about to come, so close your eyes. We have a concept in life that we think God has failed us. God fails. I love those things on YouTube of you know, epic fails. I can watch them all day. The feeling when living gets nasty. And we can sometimes imagine in our thinking, God's failed me. God, that was a fail right there. But we give ourselves license to blame and accuse God and we walk away telling ourselves God failed. But when it was getting ready time, we ought to have been getting ready. Before we say God failed, answer this question. What was happening in my life in the getting ready time? Because Noah could have been the one saying, bloop, bloop, bloop. God, you failed me. But he didn't say that because there was a season, a time in his life where God said it's time to get ready. And then a time came when it said when everything was ready, Noah, go into the ark. Are you, make, are you seeing what I'm trying to get at this morning? So in getting ready, in getting ready is our provision. In getting ready is our blessings. In getting ready is our security. In getting ready is, is the completion of our salvation that, that Jesus brings us. When you want to see God's blessings and provisions and protection, make use of your getting ready time. And I think if, if we were to discipline ourselves in the getting ready of life, then when the right time comes, God says, well, here, hop in. Hop into the ark that I've provided and I've told you, you know, is going to be there ready. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, get in the boat. So Jesus describes his kingdom like this in Matthew 24, verse 14, in the New Living Version. He says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. So something we really don't talk about much or we don't talk enough, uh, talk enough of is Jesus will return for his church. Jesus will return for his people. 
And just as in, as in the days of Noah, Noah was building this huge big boat in his front yard, we call it the ark, and, and uh, other people were on their own life journeys and saying, what are you doing? What's that for? That, you know, that doesn't make any sense. It'll never happen. And, uh, and I've heard people say, um, of recent times, relatives of mine, um, as my mum is a believer, she was talking about Jesus coming back for his church and being ready, and one of my relatives said, well, it's not going to happen in my lifetime, it's not going to happen in your lifetime, it's not going to happen in my grandchildren's lifetime, because it's never going to happen. And that's exactly the same attitude that the people of Noah's time had. They said, it's never going to happen. You deceived Noah. But you know something? that We can't accept this story of our salvation, the story of Jesus Christ and, and, and how he died and gave his life upon the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven. He bore those on, on the cross for us. We don't get that unless we have a personal revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I believe that's available for every single person. But uh, our focus when we read this scripture always ought to be bringing the good news of Jesus to those who don't have it. That's why we exist as a church. If you're a bit confused about why go to church or, or why do we do church services and everything else that we do in church, it's so that we can build a platform, a place, a way that we can bring the good news of Jesus Christ to people who don't already have it. And there's people all over this town who don't already have it. There's people who you go to school with who don't already have it. There's people who you work with who don't already have it. There's people who are in your family who don't already have it. And that's our mission, our goal, our purpose is to bring that good news to people who don't already have it. People will come into your world this week and they'll be wanting to know the word of God and God has stationed you there to be that one. If we live with an expectation every day, God, who is it that you're bringing into my world? Now, the way in which we present that, the way in which we bring that into other people's lives, um, you know, we've got to be sensitive, we've got to be wise, we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit because what we've done in the past is we've turned people off because, you know, I, and I know it turns me off and I'm a minister, when people come with all the Christianese and all, the, all this, like, stuff, nonsense, and you think, but that isn't real. It's Christianese. And when, when something confronts their life, they, they blow it anyway. We don't want to be like that. We want to be people who are grounded, mature in the things of God and have a, um, we're going to look at this in a minute, have the ability to live in a way that is attractive and that displays God's goodness through our life. So there's a story that Jesus gave uh, in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. It talks about, in some versions of the Bible, it would describe uh, describes these 10 women as virgins. In other places it says 10 servants. Just talks about um, young, young women, I guess. But it's a description of the church. So I've given you some descriptions here. Where, where they use that term virgins, Matthew 25, 1 to 13, you can look that up. It describes those people made pure by faith in Christ. And there's a number. It says there was 10 of them made pure by faith in Christ. And they're waiting for... for the bridegroom to come back. It's talking about a wedding. It says there's, there was 10 bridesmaids in some versions described as virgins. They're, they're waiting for the wedding to start. So they're standing around waiting when this wedding going to start, when are they going to call us. And then the second part of it says um, the, the five were ready and five weren't. 
So half ready isn't ready. And that's a description of the church. Half of them were ready and half of them weren't ready. So let's be the church that when the bridegroom calls, which is God or Jesus, that we're ready to enter into his glory. Finishes by in Matthew 25, verse 13. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. And if you grew up in the 1970s, we had some really scary Christian horror movies about this subject. Um, and, you know, if you came home from school and the, there was a pot boiling on the stove, you thought, Jesus has come back and everyone's gone except for you. You'd have to run away and hide. I had my plan if that happened. And a few times I thought it happened and and I thought, my plan is I'm going to get a box of Cocoa Pops and some milk and lock myself in the bathroom where no one can get me and I'll survive for the rest of my life. It says that five of them were wise and five were foolish. The wise used their getting ready time and got ready. And we need to be wise believers with our life. And in our getting ready time, we're getting ready. It talks about oil in their lamps. We're not going to read the whole story. But it says that, that, that out of the tent, it said, when the bridegroom called, he said, come on now, it's time to go. They, they ran out of oil. The five who weren't ready, they said, well, we've got to go and buy oil. We've got to, go and, we've got to get ourselves ready now. And the other five went in. And it's interesting that the story talks about those who... They tried to get in later and they knocked on the door, said, let us in, let us in. And the Lord says, well, I don't know who you are. Because they missed their opportunity, their hour of getting ready. And I don't know what that means in your life, what getting ready means for you. But I, wanna, I want you to understand that uh, we need to be um, working on our own discipleship journey with God. Whatever that might mean. Hopefully we can get some... some clarity on that this morning the story of Noah begins with God telling Noah what he was going to do and how he, he can be preserved how he can be protected how he can be rescued from the flood that was going to come to the earth Genesis six thirteen. it says Noah was righteous but you know something, Noah was a righteous man, but he still had to build what God told him to. Who, who's got into my slides today? What is that? That's a code, special code. You need a revelation to know it. You know, Noah was righteous, but he still had to build the ark or he would have drowned like everybody else. That's something we need to really consider because salvation from Christ is something that we need to honour and we need to, we need to value in our life and build accordingly. So it's about building things into your life that will work as a, um, as a sign to God that you're one of his people. There are three things need to come together in our lives in a sense to to be obedient to, to what God's calling us to do. The first one is our faith. It all starts and, and uh, 
goes from there. It all begins with our faith, who we believe in. And that's got to be Jesus. Believe the right things that God says. Know what the Bible says. I left my Bible somewhere. I couldn't find it this morning. I brought it to church and it's obviously disappeared. But we need to know what our Bible says. Get acquainted with the Bible. Start, start to read. If, you don't, um, if you're not used to that, then you can start, get the uh, Word for Today or Every Day with Jesus, any of those kind of um, little booklets and th that'll give you some inspiration every day and it'll give you Bible readings you, that you can um, look at. And when you start to feed yourself and nourish yourself spiritually, your faith will grow stronger because you'll start to live according to what God's Word tells you. The second thing we need is to obey the Word. Obey the things that God says and again, build your life accordingly. So when you, when you see what God's Word says and you understand that, then you start to say, well, I'm going to build my life according to what the Word of God says and I'm going to obey that. The third thing we need is to live right. Noah was described as being righteous. But being righteous in our own world is good because it demonstrates God to those around us. So people may not hear what you say, but they'll see what you do. People may not understand spiritual concepts, but they'll see your life and they'll know that you're real. And that, that may not, um, that, that's something that happens over a long period of time. So we've got to maintain an example to the world of righteousness so that uh, people can say, well, you know, I don't understand about God. They, they might say, well, I don't believe in God. But you know something? I see God's character in his church. I see his character in godly people. And that's what we ought to be aiming for um, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant from God is that we've lived a righteous life and displayed God's character to the world around us. Did that make sense? So faith and obedience and righteousness come together to build into your life spiritual maturity. And that's what we want to aim for in, in church is that we're developing people to be spiritually mature. One of the things we're working on right now is called a growth track. I don't know if we call it exactly that, but that's what... It's called these days, and that is to take anyone who wants to in our church on a growth track. So we're going to, what that will start looking like is we're going to, we, we often do a, a new people's night where new people come to church and we tell them all about us. That's been good, but we don't really know all about them or all about you. So part of our growth track is we're going to do first, we're going to talk about our church, our culture, our, our DNA or our way of why we do church, how we do it. Then the next part of that, it's about a four-week study, is all about you. Um, and, and we find about where your strengths are, what your gifts are, um, what, what ways you could fit into the, the fabric of the Christian community, which we call church. Um, and, and then there's a couple other things um, that go with all that stuff. But we want to do that because our, our, our uh, future relies upon everybody finding their place, growing into that, and being fulfilled, and that's how we build a strong, powerful church that becomes like a Noah's Ark. So there's some practical things. When It says, when everything was ready, Noah got in the boat. So here's some practicals for you. If you're waiting to be married, is everything ready? I'm not looking at anyone. 
some of the things that you need to think of if you're in that stage of life. Or maybe you're thinking, I wish I had a girlfriend. I wish I had a partner. Think of these things. Are you emotionally ready? Are you financially ready? Uh, what's your house look like? Before you share yourself with someone else, it's a good thing that you can live with yourself first. Where did that rule come from? <laughs> Perhaps you're waiting for your ministry. Waiting for ministry. Well, is everything ready? Have you served somewhere? Have you began to serve? Are you reliable? Do you take time to refuel spiritually? These are important things that we need to consider if we're going to be ready when the Lord calls. Waiting for a job. Maybe you've got a job, you want a better job, and you're in that time of waiting. Is everything ready? Have you trained yourself? Have you prepared yourself? Sometimes we're thinking, oh, I wish God would give me a new job. I'm praying for a new job. Well, we haven't even thought about what, what you'd say in an interview. Prepare your interview. Say, so, well, what would I say? How would I, how would I present myself? What would I wear? It's called getting ready. And often we miss opportunities and God says, well, you know, you can be preserved from this or that, but we're just not ready. And the floodwaters come, the storms rise, and we, and we, get, we get overwhelmed, we get bogged, we get, we get drowned by the circumstances of life when in the getting ready time we should have been preparing ourselves. You either live in waiting time and don't make the most of it, and then you live wondering why you have missed opportunities. Or, or in the waiting, you're making yourself ready. It says about Noah, he, he not only had to build the ark, it said he had to fill it with provisions, food for himself, his family, and for all the animals. That's a huge lot of provision, a huge lot of getting ready. See, faith, the first thing that separated Noah was he took God's word seriously and he took it personally. And he began to get everything ready. So obedience by... He showed obedience by building. I'm sure there were some splinters in his hands in the building stage. Maybe some bashed fingers and thumbs when, when he's putting this big ark together. As a tradesman myself, I know that I often used to get things in my eyes, with or without goggles. just seems to happen. Objects in your eyes, sore and tired muscles. Uh, while he's building the ark, he's, he's got the, the, uh, the physical weariness of that task. And sometimes when we're, we're serving God, we're, we're doing things for his kingdom, perhaps serving in the church or some other area of ministry. And it can be like, well, this is painful. This is wearing. But we've got to keep a focus on the future purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. And that is to, to create a place that is a safety mechanism to bring others to their salvation. So the second thing, uh, sorry, the third thing uh, was he lived right. 
in his day, in Noah's day, people were cheating on each other and they were cheating God. In all his ridicule, others were, were obeying Noah. What are you building, Noah? Why are you building? But Noah kept going and he built it anyway. And maybe he lost a weekend, maybe he lost a few friends. But when they all lost their lives, Noah was safe because he listened to God and got everything ready. Remember God told Noah, but it was Noah who got it ready. And there are things that God will speak into your life. There are things that God will, will talk to you about. And it's not like, well, God, you just do it all for me. God will say, well, I, I need you to build what you need to build. And that the most important thing that, that God calls us to, to build is community, called to build um, God's pattern onto this earth. There are three things that, that, um, that God showed me as I was preparing this message. The, the first time God dealt with sin, which in the days of Noah, people lost their lives because they didn't want to listen to God's method of life. The second way God wanted to deal with sin is he, he created a nation, Israel, to, in a way, demonstrate God's, God's holiness and God's righteousness to people. And that failed. Not because God's plan wasn't right, but because the people that were, were entrusted to take it abused that right and privilege that they had. Then the third way that God came to deal with sin was once and for all, and he paid the price himself. And he came as a man, Jesus Christ, and died upon the cross. If I can just have the musicians back. At One Heart Church, our vision as a church is to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. Who's heard that? Hopefully you all know that. Hopefully you want to be part of that. But that vision requires we get things ready that will facilitate that, will help that, will create the environment for a large relevant church. But we'll need extra services, just getting you ready. We'll need extra services if we're going to be that. We'll need to train workers. We'll need equipment and we'll need new buildings and other buildings and we'll, we'll need people of various skills and talents to service that, that future that God wants us to take hold of. Noah's boat is a pattern. I can get that. Noah's boat or ark is a pattern of the modern church. It says it had different levels and decks and it was full of provisions for all that were going to be saved. So taking the Lord's word seriously has us getting everything ready in the church and in our own personal lives. And it's so easy when we listen to a message like this to think, well, I've got time. I'll do it next year. Or I'll do it when I've just finalized some other little things in, in life. But there's no time like today to start the process of getting ready. Because there's people here in this place right now and God's got an amazing ark for you. Call it ministry, call it calling, call it destiny. But there's an amazing ark for you. 
And you might be thinking, but my life's a mess. It might be, but, but that will never happen. How can it happen? We don't have to know the how. We just have to say, God, I'm going to start with what I have today. And in Noah's case, he gathered wood and started to put it together and started to, to, to put things in place. And I want to you know, encourage you, challenge you, motivate you this morning to start considering, God, what is it that you want me to get ready? Because it's not just about you that's at stake, it's others who that may need an ark to carry them through the floods of their, of their life, of their experience. So when we take that word seriously, we get everything ready. So in, in the church, we, we need, we've got a lot of work to do here in the church. Department by department, we need to get things ready. Just to name a few, we've got the music department, we've got a children's area, we've got administration, we've got garden, uh, we've got cleaning, we've got preaching. And all of those areas are going to be filled by people who are already here in this building. And there's going to be other people that come and help and join us, but they're going to come into the ark that God's asked us to build. In a sense, we're here today in an ark that El and Colleen Hillier started. And we need to say, well, God, that we're, we're, we're here 35 years later or 38 years later. Now, what is it that you want us to build? That's a huge challenge. And it's a, a challenge for today. When everything was ready, Noah relied on God and God relied on Noah to prepare animals and people or to preserve, sorry, animals and people for his glory. Don't miss that point there. God, Noah relied on God and God relied on Noah. It's a really powerful thing we need to understand. I want to show you one last scripture. 2 Peter 3.9 It says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent, wants everyone to turn. If we can just stand to our feet this morning. One of the things that that we see in the Bible is a um, thing called an altar. And what they used to do in, in the, the days of the priests and the prophets in the Old Testament is people used to bring a sacrifice to the altar and, and it, it would be killed and drained its blood there so that um, they could present offerings to God. They couldn't offer anything to God without a sacrifice first because there was no way to be made holy. And what I want us to do this morning is if this message has stirred something in you, we don't have an altar and we're certainly not going to be slaughtering any lambs or bulls or anything here today. But in your own way, saying, God, I want to respond to being ready. Whatever that means to you, then I'm going to invite you to come and present yourself to God. 
as a living sacrifice that says, God, I want to be prepared. God, I want to see through your eyes the people who I can't see right now who need Jesus. I want to be purified. I want to be set apart. I want to be doing all that I can to be ready when you call. We don't have to be superstars. We don't have to know it all. We just have to say, God, I want to be ready. So I'm going to put in place things in my life. And it starts by saying, God, I want to offer myself. I want to be one that you can use. I want to stand out like a Noah in a world that has gone crazy. I'm going to stay close to Jesus. I'm going to stay close to the call of God. If that's that's what God's been stirring you this morning as we sing. I'm not going to pray for anyone this morning. I don't feel that that's necessary. I'm not going to lay hands on anybody. But we're going to sing this song and sanctify ourselves and say, God, will you take me? I want to, I want to be prepared. Give me the things that I need. And in that way, just come and say, God, yes, I want to be ready. I want to be ready so that when everything's ready, I'll step into that thing that preserves me and others for the purposes of God. So why don't you come and we're going to sing together. And as we do, I know God's just going to do something special. The Holy Spirit's going to fill people. Uh, God's purposes will be made clear. Um, our own purpose of, uh, and direction will be set a little bit more solidly on what God's wanting us to do. So why don't you come and just uh, join others here at the front and just uh, begin to pray, begin to talk to the Lord. And I know things are going to come on people this morning that are just going to be so special. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.